Hello and welcome to The Last Standee, a board game podcast coming to you from three very exciting countries across Europe. I'm joined here today by Audrey. Hi everyone! And Alessio. Hello! And I'm your host, Ven. And today we're going to be looking at A War of Whispers, the new edition of Libertalia, and Villagers, plus its new expansion, Villagers Shifting Seasons. But first, we'll start with the standee catch-up. Alessio, how's things? Oh, well, uh, I, I was uh, I, I was actually working at the, uh, kind of a messy thing because my septic, my septic tank broke. So <laughs> I had a bit of a mess around the home. Uh, so that's it. But uh, and this is for my personal troubles. Uh, on the gaming side, I'm waiting for Otsworn. I'm actually eagerly waiting for Otsworn because it looks like it's magnificent, or at least everyone is enthusiastic about it. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, I know someone that got their copy yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. I have a standy pledge, so probably it will be in the last ship. Because I'm just figuring mine will be in the last ship because, I mean, I tend to get everything last. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what's the purpose? Probably that there are one game for each of the two ships which landed for Europe. Mm. So probably all the rest are in the last ship. Yeah, I went for standees and miniatures and all of the terrain miniatures. I just went, I'll have everything, please. Because I, if I'm going to cart the game around anywhere, I'd rather take the standee version. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I actually plan, plan to remake the banner of the last standee once I get Otsworn because I want those standees. Those big, big rats. Chunky... Yeah, exactly. Big or... rat, which is appropriate for today. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ratting, uh, ratting around, uh, whispering and uh, villaging and uh, extra rats. Uh, no, no, seriously, all <laughs> yeah. three games have rats yeah. in common. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's it. What about you, Audrey? Uh, for me, not really much, to be honest. Uh, work has uh, picked up a base, so I'm working more and more and more, and people are asking me stuff. Uh, so, yeah, for the board game part, uh, we went to the board game uh, store with my husband yesterday, and we didn't really see many games uh, that we were interested in. Um, we saw a war with whispers, though, and it was funny to mention that we were going to record about it. Uh, I hesitated with Forgotten Waters. I think I would have gotten it if we regularly had a group uh, to play and not just uh, both of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. Oh, yeah, I bought a new motherboard and uh, CPU. Um. <laughs> But I don't really think that's relevant for board gaming. That's two thousand euros for you, yeah. No, no, actually, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I um, well, with the uh, DDR4 RAM, uh, I'm ending up at around five hundred ish. So yeah, not too bad. Um, well, yeah, yeah. In this time and age, actually, it's a bargain. <laughs> So, yep, that's it for me. Um, what about you, Fan? Do you have exciting stuff to share about? Oh, not really exciting stuff, oh. no. no. I mean, Do you have stuff mostly... to share about? 
I've got projects going on that I'm not going to talk about yet because they're personal projects. So uh, I've been working on things that I've put under under a personal NDA for most of this time. So expect wow. to see something on Instagram in about two months' time when I finish it, probably. If I, you know, self-imposed um, NDA. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's more of I I want to get this done. It's a painting project. And I know if I start posting bits up and talking about it, I'm going to stop wanting to get the thing done properly. I've still got four models to paint and each one of them's two to three days worth of work. So I don't want to suddenly be abandoning it. But I did want to mention it because I had to get some replacement parts and they were shipped in a, you know, it's actually nice. I didn't have to pay for the parts. It was really great. Um, they were fantastic, the support. Uh, but it looks like they've landed in customs, despite having a label on the box which clearly states replacement parts, no monetary value. So I'm expecting I'm going to have to pay for them to get them in the country, which is but fun. They do. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, I it, what is it going to be like? The equivalent of probably eight euros for me to get this stuff. <laughs> um, but this difference between having a working finished model that I can actually put there and something missing, it's got a gigantic hole in its forehead at the moment, <laughs> um, where there's a, where a dorsal spine is supposed to be. So yeah. Um, and then I've been playing villagers, um, which I'm going to be talking about. So that's for near the end of the episode. Um, I actually picked up feed the Kraken which I've not been able to play because it's minimum five players. I, I just, so I just got the basic edition, but I love social deduction games. They're one of my favourite types of games. I watch I watch multiple so, social deduction games a week when painting, like several times a week. So a uh, huge fan of those. But I was like, I won't get the deluxe edition of, uh, of the game because, yeah, fine, it's got the fancy extra plastic, but how often am I going to get to play this when it requires at least five players? So, yeah, that's, that's that. like a crescent moon. I, I don't yeah. know how to play it anymore. I just ask every favor from people to have people at the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and I toyed with the idea of getting the Blood on the Clock Tower box because um, I really think that game <laughs> is absolutely fantastic. I've been thinking about it for a while, but... It's in the UK, so VAT got added on, and when I was like, oh, this seems like a lot for 1,600 euros, no, 160 euros, 1,600 kroner. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It, it was It was like, oh, that seems a bit steep. And then um, it went up to 2,000 kroner, like around 200 euros with VAT and shipping, and I was like, nope, 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 that's... That's no matter how fancy and big and heavy the box is. That's too much for something that I'm going to get to play once a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People getting the the Kickstarter for it uh, did the right thing this time. Uh, uh, being know. somebody who's uh, well, we're all part of a Kickstarter that's doing worse than Blood on the Clock Tower did. I don't think so. I don't think I could have standed <laughs> waiting for that long. And that's a big part of the reason I put villagers up here is because. That was a well-run Kickstarter, so... Yeah, I kickstarted it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was nicely done. Um, apart from that, we've currently got guests staying. Um, uh, family, but they're renting. Um, the dog is 
torn because she doesn't like having them on the property, but she really loves them all. <laughs> so she barks at them whenever they want to buy very, quite loudly. And she, she can appear to be very, if you don't know what she's like, it, it can sound very vicious. But she's just big energy, big bark, small, like small dog, but not that small. She's um small dog energy. Uh, it's not small dog. She's got big dog energy. She has, but she's just got a bit. She's got a big heart. She's a big oh. softy. Like yeah. Oh. I mean, she got into a fight with a dog last summer, um, and she the, the that dog bit her up. And we had to take it to the vet. The other dog, she she didn't even break the skin. She nothing. Like she was so. Even then, she she's got incredible bite inhibitions. So. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very sad. Uh, yeah, but that's pets for you. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's mostly it. Uh. I am now. Uh. I'm I'm gonna give this an exact dating because I'm waiting for Spy slash Durr and Spider Ham to arrive. For Marvel Champions. Mm-hmm. Which are that... undeniably words, yeah. Uh, what? Uh, which are undeniably words, yes. Words? <laughs> yeah. Th- they're, they're names, they're, you yeah. know. Um, Peter Porker, and they're all in um, They're all in Enter the Spider-Verse. So oh. that means I'll have a deck for every single Enter the Spider-Verse character apart from Spider-Man Noir, so... Oh, that beautiful cartoon. Yes, that, yeah. one of the best Spider-Man films, you know. Um, I'm looking forward to them arriving. Uh, the Web Warriors as a faction is looking very strong, um, and it all pretty much. I'm missing a bunch of the encounter packs. Uh, the hood in particular is quite frustrating. I need to get, but you got a budget. I, I can only I can only spend like forty euros a month on Marvel at most. So, you know, one thing at a time. Uh, and that's that's really it. That's well, I'd lot to say for someone who's not doing very much. Yeah, and and I forgot to say something very exciting for me. Oh. Go on. No, I, go on I am it. organizing a painting workshop in my town in October. That's and, and and I just got a bit late compared to the hour that we had uh, mentioned due to meeting the guy who organizes stuff at the House of Youngsters and Culture where it will be hosted. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm having um, Christoph Kobalski coming from Poland. And yeah, that's, that's going to be awesome. Well, yeah, that is. We expect to have news by October. Uh, at October, you will have a painted uh, pictures. <laughs> ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Um, okay. So I think it is time now for us to don our cowls, skulk about in the shadows as we talk about the short-form political intrigue war, in quotation marks, game, a war of whispers, uh, or as another way to call it, as that was a terrible mouthful, who went horribly wrong, is it's Game of Thrones in under an hour. So Audrey, <laughs> you can start talking to us all about... Uh, a War of Whispers and the Supplicant Spider. Yes, A War of Whispers. It's a game designed by Jeremy Stoltfus. I hope I pronounce it uh, well. Um, and a game that's been crowdfunded and who is now widely available in game stores, uh, which is why I saw it uh, yesterday. 
Um, so it's a war game that is not a common war game, and I really enjoyed that because uh, you have five factions, uh, factions which are fighting over a map, and they all have uh, animal symbols like you have the elephants, the lions, uh, uh, birds, stuff like that. But horses, horses. Yeah, I was not going to name them all. And the bears. <laughs> yeah. And they all have a color, like the lions, they are orange, the bears are blue, etc. And the players don't play uh, these factions. That's what's uh, quite innovative with that game. The players don't play with different factions that are at war, but the players actually play secret societies who you do whispering in the dark blah blah and you try to influence yet the different factions to make them let's say to manipulate them into doing what you want you are manipulating the lion so that they go conquer over here that's what you do when you play and so you have, um, I don't remember the names of the tokens that were, uh, you have of the secret societies, agents, I think. Oh, oh th yeah, they're agents. Yeah. yeah. And I'd, I also, I'd love to briefly name each of the um, the cults because I, I, I love these secret society names. So there's the supplicant spider, the pale raven, the endless serpent and the cult of the rat. And they're all just like, they got one piece of artwork and a little text for each one. And they're so evocative right there and then. I, I was just... Lovely world building in a very concise manner. Yeah, so players pick a secret society. And then you will have to use your agents to make, um, let's say, high-ranking uh, people from the different society uh, societies' um, factions make what you want. You are going to influentiate a general so that they attack over here, um, etc. So you don't really play the secrets of uh, the, the factions. Then, how do you know which faction you want to influentiate, how, etc, etc. The thing is, let's say, simple. There are three buildings uh, on the map that each faction can own or lose. Uh, there are towns, there are villages, and there are towers. Villages can spawn uh, troops when you activate them. Uh, towers are basically just... Uh, made to fight when there is an attacker an attacker and the village um, and the villages just spawn troops yeah i said them i said that already i said villages you missed the cities which uh, are I what the everyone cities. wants yeah the cities which are what everyone wants which are basically control for the zone when there are troops they fight and where the troops that remain conquer the city and make it turn color so that's how you score points at the end of the game by how many cities each faction owns at the very end of the game. Because each player has a board on which you can place uh, the tokens, well, not on which you can, but on which you have to place uh, each token uh, for the different factions, and you will put them in order. There is one token which is um, five, five times, one four times, something like that and the last one are zero and minus one so there these factions will get you that amount of points depending on how many cities they own at the end of the game so that means that you want to have the higher um, pointing let's say the higher scoring factions owning lots of cities at the end of the game and you want to have the faction that is 
worth no point or a loss of point to you, owning absolutely zero city at the end of a game. And that's not very easy because, of course, the other players have probably different ranking for each faction. And so you will have to compete with the other players to influentiate the different factions into doing what you want. But yeah. you may have the exact same faction ranking as another player, and thus that player might help you not knowing. And I think that's something that's a bit unique and interesting there, because uh, usually in war games, the, the other players help you mostly by making alliances against another player, and here it's a bit different, because they do their thing, and yeah, you want that to happen as well. Okay, I have a question. Yes, ask. Okay, how is the game played mostly? Do you have cards? Oh. M mostly, you use your agent's token to put them on the board uh, at the at the exterior of the board, which is a circle where you have spots to influentiate the high-ranking uh, people in the different factions. Yeah. That's the main thing. But uh, one of the actions can make you draw cards. Uh, and when you have these cards, generally you just spend one or two cards to trigger an ability. But cards are just, let's say, something extra. Okay, you know why I asked that? Uh, because there's another game which is in, in indirect uh, influence, and this is this looks kind a very simpler way of playing uh, this kind of games. I'm talking uh, about Pax Pamir. And uh, my main complaint with that game is that actually mechanics takes a bit of of backseat uh, uh, for negotiation and stuff, and the game takes a lot long. Since this looks a bit faster, yeah, I was asking. Yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah, you well, you, do, you don't really have negotiation. It's just I put my agent there on the board. And then, when everyone has placed their agents, we do the actions of the high-ranking people from the factions, and we move the troops, we swap the villages, we uh, swap the towns, depending on who controls which area, and if we activate someone that makes you draw a card, you draw a card, and then you use cards close to whenever you want. That, that, that's it, and every everything, every action, every result of any action is written on the board. That's not a game that's very language dependent. Only the cards uh, have written stuff. So yeah, you you don't have tons of stuff to to learn. Yes, uh, if I was going to compare this game to anything, I'd compare it to Imperial and Imperial Twenty Thirty. I think it is. Um, both those both of those games are the same framework and. Um, War of Whispers has a similar thing in that you control the people behind the factions. In the case of Imperial, it's uh, generating money off stocks and war bonds by forcing conflict. War of Whispers puts that into a fantasy uh, setting instead. I'd say it's quite worker placementy in a way because you have yeah. a flow of these agents going on the board and it is a set of worker placement slots where they do things. It's just they always activate in the same order. Yep. And each of the factions has their own asymmetric abilities on the cards and an asymmetric setup. For example, the Bears, they only have one city on the board to start with. They, they, um, it's very hard for anyone to take that city from them as well because it's sat like right at the back end of their territory with no direct route through. Um, and they're also next to the horses who have no 
troops to start with, they're very slow to mobilize, um, very fast um, and wide sweeping, and they can go all over the place once they're going, but they take a bit of time. And they're next to the eagles, who are exceedingly defensive. Um, so you, you kind of get a lot of different flavor, but the, the bears activate, then the eagles, then the elephants, then the lions, and then the last horses. of all, the horses. Yeah. yeah. So all the factions are asymmetric, which is different to uh, how it works in Imperial, where in Imperial the differences are just more or less the locations. Um, and uh, it's stripped away the stock holding aspect. But to be honest, it's got a bit of that stock holding in it anyway, because you, you randomly deal the, your loyalty tokens at the start of the game. And of course, the times four faction, that's like who you're most invested in. So you can almost look at that as, a, oh, these guys, the bears, I've got times four on the bears. I really want them to do well and cash out at the end um, and so on and so forth. So there's all five different. And the way you randomize it each time keeps the game a bit fresh because the actual troop deployment at the start of the game is very fixed. Yeah. yeah, and you um, have a way to swap uh, factions I was about to say. <laughs> at some point. So if you feel like, oh yeah, I've been investing a lot in this faction, but they are doing so bad, uh, you can at some point uh, swap two factions, but then you reveal the token. So the other people get to then know uh, which faction you are more interested in or less. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yes, it, it, you can do it each. There's four rounds. I think each round more or less feels like it's a year. I don't know if it is actually a year in time, um, but that's that's always how it feels to me. It's like once around the calendar. Um, but there's a stage where you, you during before you start the next um, year and you start placing more agents where you go, okay, uh, anyone want to make any swaps of, um, of their tokens? So if you make the swap, they go face up. So suddenly you're like publicly in on whatever you're in on. Um, and that can actually have an influence in the game as well, because we I, we played a game here when I had the, guest, the guests over, one of the games we played, and I very early looked at the situation, saw that the lions were just getting smashed on every front, and I was like, I don't think anyone cares about the lions. So I, I flipped my tokens and I moved the bears from last place up into third place where the lions were and swapped them over. And that actually triggered everyone else, like... Two of the players turned out to have lions very low anyway, but everyone suddenly started manoeuvring the, uh, to ignore the lions entirely. So I more or less took them out of the entire game by publicly saying, I don't care about them, they're minus one. I'm here to destroy their cities. Yeah. Yeah, that helps renewing a bit the interest. And <clears throat> I'm sorry. I think that uh, a game where that uh, kind of swap doesn't happen would feel very different to a game where it happens. Yeah, the, it, uh, the, it really adds to the feel as well. It's a nice mechanic because you're constantly shifting your loyalties anyway. You might be like, I don't care about the elephants at all. I don't care. I really care about the elephants personally, but I don't care about the elephants. Um I'm going to use them to grind down the faction I hate the most. I'm going to send them in against the Eagles non-stop all game. That's my, they're my tools. But, you know, you, you're not actually in charge of it at all. And you're, uh, you're switching back and forth and moving your agents from these different places. So it just feels right that you can switch loyalties on who you care about. Because that's really what this game is at its heart, is this constant betrayal of the players who are looking at these nations very abstract and just going all right well sacrifice these armies yep take that city 
oppress these people. Yeah. You, you know, this this might be the the only area influence game I know of which is uh, with a worker placement-ish mechanism which uses backstabbing and betraying and moving, uh, switching loyalties around. Uh, it looks very, very intriguing. Yeah, you, 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 you could call that a rogue placement more than a worker <laughs> placement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, on to the components. First of all, playtime, before I do that. This is a game you can get done in under an hour, which is it is super cool because it has a lot of the feel of a Game of Thrones, the board game, um, which also has a lot of political you know, intrigue going on in addition to its straight combat. But you're one step removed from it, and so you don't get as emotionally invested in what's happening to the troops on the board. And combat is really simplified. It's like mutual annihilation. You, your space has got two units. This space has got three units. Great, this space can take this space. There's one unit left. Fantastic. Really straightforward and simple. The basic edition has wooden pieces. And it just has um, wooden pieces for the um, uh, squirrel cubes uh, for the units, basically. Um, and then everything else is cardboard. You can get a deluxe edition or you can upgrade and you'll get some plastic pieces i will say that is tempting to me because when you're playing this game and audrey you encountered it it turns out the sand color of the lions sits a little too close to the kind of dirty ochre of the cult of the rat and you may not realize when a cult of the rat token is on top of a lion token yes. at first glance yes I, I made that mistake yeah so the plastic version has 3d agents yeah. which sit up and they're very different in color and it's visually a lot clearer the trouble is you also get the plastic cities you get the plastic armies so there's there's a lot more if you do take the plastic upgrade or you all buy the deluxe edition yeah i, um, I had the feeling that all the agents were black actually and no <laughs> that that, <laughs> that would have been a simpler way to do it even though it might not have fitted everything but for me that was uh, what I thought and what why I did that mistake mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, you, you basically the the plastic one comes in like a bunch of banners in different colors uh, agents are purple orange uh, gray and white and then you get like a load of cities you get and farms and forts and a little hourglass to move around the track instead of just moving the round mark around um, I'm <laughs> I like this game so much I'm tempted to bling it out, but I'm more tempted to get the expansions, which they do like um, one expansion has a, a bunch of, they, they all, both of them add extra cards and uh, one of them adds treasures, which is like a unique event that happens. And they're like a wild card kind of thing. And the other one adds dark alliances that adds more intrigue to the game. Um, and I, I, I like this game so much that I'm tempted to just, Bling it out a bit more. Um, I think part of it, the reason I like so much, is actually the board shape, which is round. And I think that's <laughs> super cool. Yeah. It just makes it feel like you're up and you're gazing down upon the world from your lofty cult-like position. So. Yeah, I, I really thought that was uh, nice as well to uh, make... I mean, you make the cycle completely a thing, a physical thing. Yeah. 
yeah, it really there's 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 a lot to it, and I can see this being a game if you played with the same group regularly. Uh, there will be a lot of meta gaming starting to come into it, and there'd probably be some very interesting plays that are quite social that you can make. Yeah. Um, whether you're actually talking to someone and saying, "Hey, look, I really care about the Eagles. They're on my times three. Um, who don't you care about? And we can work together. And in actual fact, you don't give a hoot about the Eagles at all. And suddenly you move the troops away and just whoosh, and you get. So it's a it's a lot of bang for a fairly small playtime and a reasonably cheap box. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I really think that it's a good, uh, let's say budget option uh, for that kind of games to be honest and yeah you have everything and it's it's let's say you no, no games won't look the same and anything yeah I, I think it's really good value and good 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 time and for me that don't really like competitive games I did due to that um, being a secret society and influencing the, 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 the factions I didn't feel like I was playing against you guys. Like you don't, do you? There's like a lot of feel of cooperation. Yeah, it, it felt like a semi-cop, but not one where yeah, you 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 are beating a counter, and at the end, the one with most points wins. Because that's not how it felt. It felt more like yeah, negotiating, even though we didn't talk much uh, we could have uh, I don't <laughs> think there's anything in the rules preventing uh, negotiation no. uh, but yeah it did felt like oh I'm going to try to go over there if you can leave me here I would like to have fun and yeah that, that's yeah. something that I think is refreshing it is it is uh, and uh, I think that's a good point to leave it so that is a war of whispers from starling games uh, and now, uh, to continue the... Uh, so, so, from the cult of rats to rat people, it's time to hand over to Alessio, who's going to talk about the extremely furry edition of Libertalia by Stonemaier Games. <laughs> yeah, the extremely furry edition of Libertalia. Aggressively uh, furry. Yeah, actually, I think there's just one rat. Uh, I have the Italian edition, but I, I guess it's the beggar. So, yeah, anyway, uh, the, the feeling of the game is basically the same because it's another backstabbing cutthroat uh, multiplayer game so libertalia winds of galecrest uh, this is a game by paolo mori it's actually a remake of the original libertalia the original libertalia was a game about pirates regular pirates libertalia was actually uh, an historical republic of pirates uh, in south uh, of africa and the south shores uh, Libertalia Winds of Galecrest is just uh, sky, f furry sky pirates uh, in the skies of the imaginary country of Galecrest. So, that, that said, uh, this is a car game, and uh, well, I I'll explain the main gimmick of this game later, because uh, what you need to know is that uh, in this game uh, you basically uh, play pirates uh, searching for treasure in three different voyages. You get cards for each voyages. E each voyage is long, is uh, four days long the first one, five days long the second one, and six days long the last one. And you get cards. You can play one for each day plus uh, two more 
from you uh, from where you can choose uh, you basically uh, on each day of voyage you play a card on the table and you sort them in the rank of the cards each card is ranked 1 to 40 and you play them in the order 1 to the left and 40 to the right you go playing cards and when everyone has played these cards have uh, uh, basically two powers actually three uh, which are uh, a sum power which is played left to right so the card with the least rank is played first and uh, the card with the highest rank is played last then you have a sunset power which is played in the opposite order so you go last to first and uh, uh, then you have a knight power which is played for each card all the same and then you store the cards away uh, some cards have powers which activate from the ship so you can play them when they are stored and that's basically the game uh, you do everything, every card has an effect this effect combine and uh, your goal is to score coins, doubloons uh, and these coins uh, will be your victory points at the end you get treasure during your voyages and this treasure gives you special powers or trades for coins or is uh, actually uh, a cursed doubloon like in the like in the Disney movies uh, the uh, uh, help me with the titles in English so the 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 the, the one with Johnny Depp Curse of the Caribbean Pirates of the Caribbean Yeah Pirates of the Caribbean of course like the, like the Pirates of the Caribbean oh. Yeah yeah exactly. You mean the you mean the film series all about the adventures of Captain Barbossa and a bunch of people <laughs> yeah, I don't care exactly. about <laughs> Yeah Exactly, and you play. Basically, everyone is Captain Barbossa. So, <laughs> but how uh, ca how can everyone be Captain Barbossa? There's just one. Yeah. Yeah, there is only just one Captain Barbossa, yeah. and he's certainly not a hot um, tiger prisoner or whatever it is. Oh, it is a kind of a bulldog, or uh, well, actually, the the wolf prisoner has nipples, which are quite disquieting for me. Yes, but, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't I want watched... to be playing Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched a playthrough of it, and the the prisoner really does always draw a few raised eyebrows and comments. Um, it's very hard to not meme around that <laughs> that look. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, you are about ready to hear about the main gimmick of the game. But first, uh, just let me tell you that this game is completely cutthroat because basically uh, you play powers in order, so. Uh, you use the first powers to eliminate the cards of the opponents which uh, you assume they will be played last and uh, will be possibly more powerful so you eliminate them so your opponent tries to counter you but uh, they understand that they played the wrong card so that it's going to be eliminated and they uh, well, ja this game is prone to raging a lot because when you understand you made a mistake, you you are actually out for half of the voyage. So this is a very cutthroat game. This is a, a, a friendship ruiner game in the good, uh, in the positive uh, notion of that. It's a uh, it's a very fun game to play <laughs> if you have the right group. I don't have friends. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't lose friends over a game. No, I'm, I'm joking. Oh. I, I do have friends, and you are 
among them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, th 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 that's cool. And that's also a beautiful thing that this game, uh, uh, Winds of Galecrest, also has a solo variant. So <laughs> you, you can play it uh, even when you basically pissed, that, pissed off your last friend. So, so no worry about us, of course. I, I mean, <laughs> how can you be a cutthroat to yourself in a solo game? <laughs> yeah, that, that's Automa. That, that's, uh, pa this uh, new edition is published by Stonemaier Games, so it has an Automa played by Automa Factory, and that takes care of the opponents for you, basically. Okay. Uh, now the main gimmick of the game, what makes this game uh, true genius to me. Everyone plays with the same deck of cards. You basically have one player draw the cards at random, at start from a deck for 40, of 40 cards, they draw 6 cards at random, and everyone gets the same 6 cards. So, uh, when you are explaining this, uh, you say, uh, well, how can you make this game different? Everyone will play cards, possibly counters, uh, and stuff in the same order. How, uh, how can it? How can this possibly be interesting? Uh, it's very cool because, well, uh, first every card has a very very small effect, which combine uh, with a lot of other cards. I think the witch can combine like with eight cards on in the deck perfectly, and uh, as a, a back pa a ship power which uh, actually make makes her combo later so uh, everything is uh, thought out with this degree of uh, care and attention after that when you have played your first voyage you are left with two cards because you had six cards and your voyage lasted four days every player will have two different cards remaining depending on what they played you dr you draw uh, five new cards on top of this. this the five new cards you draw are the same but the cards remaining to you are all different and this difference will increase when you go to the third voyage when you have a completely possibly completely new set of cards so uh, this is beautiful because if you want to play this game as a brain burner you can do that absolutely you 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 can and will do that and it's beautiful and satisfying because if you remember the the cards everyone discarded you can actually put up a serious strategy and this game needs a serious strategy because it's very cutthroat or you can just mess around with people and that's beautiful because actually uh, messing around it's very effective as a strategy since everyone knows that the cards you might have Everyone expects you to do an optimal move. Doing a suboptimal move, it's actually effective because you, you could scramble the strategy of someone else without knowing or actually knowing that. This is beautiful. I, I think this part of the game is true genius. And there are a lot of furries. There are a lot of animals in that. So <laughs> it's animal such people. a strange yeah. shift because the original one is like not historically accurate, but tries to be thematically close to the original concept of Libertalia. And yeah. then this is now a skyship, and it's it's not even like they're all animals. There's a random mix of humans in there. There's a the really weird uh, axiotal necromancer, I think it is, who's got 
breasts. Which, it's it's not a mammal, dude. There's the, there's the monkey fighter, which is uh, unexpectedly sexy, and there's a, a sloth somewhere. There's a sloth. Mm. It's a, um, I, I, this kind of game is like chaos social deduction because really you're just like hoping to try and avoid doing things that other players are going to screw you over with. Um, and I've got room for exactly one of those games in my life. Uh, and it's the old 2008 Witch's Brew is the one I really love. <laughs> so uh, I, I like Libertali as a concept. Um, I think the new edition is has some gorgeous components. The tiles in the bag are just decadent. Like, yeah. really over the top. Um, I like looking at it, but I, 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 after watching it be played and then going back and watching the original being played, I decided I can live without Libertalia. Even, even I don't... Have you played the solo mode? I don't know how that's going to be fun. <laughs> no, actually, uh, a lot of the fun of the game is playing with people. Uh, you have to... That's actually, uh, this game is basically backstabbing people in denying them treasure or having them accumulate a lot of doubloons and stealing them at the last moment. So, uh, or you get uh, a treasure, someone lets you get a treasure, you can get, you can have a catalyst as a treasure and the catalyst is a power which uh, makes you kill off another character at any moment. So you discard that, uh, this is the kind of the flow of the game. The, the beautiful thing is that uh, usually games like this are completely mess. Uh, they are messy, they are uh, just uh, everyone trying to damage the others uh, as much as possible. This allows you to actually strategize and everyone has the same, actually are exactly the same cards. So uh, it's beautiful because it's a game possibly infinitely rep replayable. You can change board conditions, you have a deck of 40 cards, uh, every card combines differently depending on when you draft them, when you get them actually you're not drafting. Uh, it's beautiful, it's really beautiful, it clicks a lot and you have to, to play it. I think three or four is the better, is the best uh, number of players. Two players is kind of a brain burner. I think a lot prone to analysis paralysis because uh, actually you can forgive yourself if you forget the cards played by everyone if you are playing in four player. So you are a bit light when you play. So, that's so you the mean that the, the more player, the more chaos? Yeah, the more, play, the more player, the more chaos, but that's not necessarily it. You could play strategically. It's just that it's fun to, to make a mess. It's fun and it's actually strategic. You, you could do that because if you do a suboptimal move, completely unexpected, that will screw the plan of someone anyway. So you do that and you try to come up with the most doubloons. It's fun. It's really fun. Hmm. Well, I was going to say, if if uh, if you want something with uh, the same kind of chaos but works better at four, five, and six players, then it, I've already mentioned it. Um, I'm not going to use this as a segment to pitch Witches Brew, but you've just reminded me how much I love that game and I need to find where it is. Yeah, yeah, th th that's actually th that's a great game too, but uh, nothing uh, forbids you to get both because Libertalia is actually... Uh, I, I, I think that, uh, of course... Uh, um, I'm usually attracted by beautiful designs. Uh, I, I love when a game can express a lot with uh, simple things or by changing uh, 
a thing like that, having the same cards and doing that mess is something beautiful you should experience once in it's, your life. It's okay. You you don't have to stay in the closet. If you want to become a furry, you can become a furry. And, and, oh, <laughs> You're very that. welcome. <laughs> they're, they're, they're welcome everywhere. I have one in my role-playing group. You know, okay. so it's absolutely fine. Okay, I, I'm not exactly a furry, but no kink shaming, so... <laughs> I, I, I'm <laughs> not kink shaping. I'm <laughs> yeah, not at all. Exactly. I'm trying to encourage it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's it. Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest, Stonemaier Games. Mm-hmm. And you have yeah. more uh, animal... Uh, yeah, do you have more <laughs> animal than in root or less? Uh, more more variety, of course. More and variety, but less because there are still humans in it, uh, which yeah. is the weird thing. That's why it feels a bit, uh, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but it feels a bit furry because it's not just all animals. It's like there's animals and humans and like... A bit of a it's a weird setting, and uh, I cannot stress enough that the wolf prisoners has nipples, big nipples. <laughs> yeah, so he should. Yeah, he should have like nine of them or something. Th- they should show like somewhere between eight or ten, but he's only got two. <laughs> don't 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 shame him for that. It's not his fault. He is the way the artist drew him. Yeah, na- nature nature is a cruel mistress. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think we get to continue the rap theme. Because uh, we're going away from fantastical furry pirates to the grotty old medieval Europe, set in the time where the Black Plague has decimated the populace and players take upon it take it upon themselves to be the very best community of people with terrifying googly eyes. It's villagers and villagers shifting seasons. So this is a one to five player drafting tableau builder. Uh, it is designed and drawn by Hakon Gardner, um, and it's a. I, I, I've I've made fun of the way the eyes look, and they will when you play the game. They will bore into your soul. They absolutely. They really considering what they've been through. And yes, I know it probably wasn't rats that carried the black plague, but we've got a theme here for the episode, so deal with it. Um, they, they, uh, it's a very charming style, and everything about this game is just quality. I don't know what your edition is like, but mine comes in this really nice thin card box. It has dividers for every single different type of card. Yeah, yeah it has a little well. It has a section to put the rule books in on the side. The cards are linen finish. Um, I get little wooden tokens. It's it's gorgeous, um, and the style, the art style, is clean white cards with a a simple image, very distinct iconography, little in the way of words, and excellent colour coding. You just you, you can just immediately understand how everything fits together. So, as I said, it's time after the Great Plague, um, and everybody's starting off their little village. They'll have a um, some founders and a square, village square card, which is where you put cards when you've drafted them and where you put cards when you're going to build them so you don't get mixed up. And the game will have a road of cards, which is six dealt out, and then above it, it'll have a set of face-down cards. Uh, now, the road is where you draft from, but you can also, if the villagers in the road are not really tickling your fancy, you can reach and take from any of the face-down piles. But this isn't just a completely random stab in the dark, because... Villagers is some one of those games that makes use of the back of its cards to provide a bit of information. 
Each card will tell you what class it is on the back. So it might be to do with grapes or ore or hay or wood um, or clay and things like that or specials. So you get a nice little bit of information and um, and also what people have in hand a little bit. But that's usually not quite so important, but it can can influence things. So I like that. It's like not a completely blind grab. You go, I don't like any of these, but I am looking for some more grapes. So let's see what we get here with this grape card. Um, first, half, first half of each round, you take it in turns to draft from this thing. You draft at least two, plus one for each food icon. It's a little red bowl. Uh, up to a maximum of five. So obviously, the more bowls you get out, the stronger your drafting is, so the more villagers you can get into your village, because you can afford to feed them. Then the second half is taking those cards and deploying them as jobs. So you're not really so much building the village as you are building the people who... Um, well, tableauing the people who work in the village. And you will start from base generic villagers, generic villagers, uh, which you get by discarding villages you've drafted. You discard them back on top of any pile you like. So you've got a little small game there where you can look at someone who's like, they're, they're building a, a, a wood industry and you see there's some wood cards on the piles and you just kind of dump some stuff on top to slow them down a little bit. It's not excessively mean, but it gives you that little bit of extra layer of strategy, which is, is cute. On some parts, it sounds a bit like above and below. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so your base uh, villagers, which you'll get generic ones, they have like slots for two other villagers to sit on top of them. And they'll be part of like an economic chain. So as an example, uh, you might get yourself a graper. And then uh, above that, you'll put a vinter. And then the vinter has space to hold one more uh, uh, dependent business. And that'll be a wine trader. Or you might have a lumberjack and, and the lumberjack is uh, supporting a cooper. So it's very thematic what you're doing, um, but you're only really getting the benefits out of the bottom, the topmost cards. Everything else is like covered up all of the previous stuff apart from the symbols, which sometimes become relevant. So everyone's villages develop in different ways. You might have a one village with a glass blower, another one has got like a jeweler, somebody else just does stuff with hay, lots of hay, everything with hay. Um, and it's all in pursuit of coins. Coins are points in this game, or gold as they call it. And it has a really cool mechanic based around the coins that I, I, I loved, which is certain cards have a little padlock on them, and that means that they need to be uh, unlocked. In order to play them, there needs to be the right kind of, uh, of job somewhere else. So, for example, the vine trader, the wine trader, who does have stuff to do with vines, grapes, the wine trader um, needs a glassblower somewhere. And if you have a glassblower in your village, then you'll take two gold from the bank and you'll put it on your glassblower and then you get to play the wine trader. What this two gold means is whenever the market phase happens and places start paying out, you'll get two extra coins from that glassblower, which is really sweet. But... Uh, you ca if you can't do it that way, you can go to somebody else who has a glass blower, and you have to put the coins on theirs. Or the last one is you can pay the bank too, which represents you going off further to like establish a trade route to get access to the glass to set up. 
So everything's interconnected and sometimes you'll see someone positioned to make a industry that's like, hey, you need you need what I do. Come on, put those on there. And the earlier you do it, the more coins they pay out. Um, and just it's, it's a great way of making these cards stronger and generate more coins. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so... I really like it, considering how simple it is to teach, uh, how easy it is to get to grips with, and, and how visual it all is. There's some really fun interactions and some tight kind of decisions to make in there. So, uh, Alessio, you have this as well, don't you? Yeah, uh, and I like it a lot. Actually, first let me say that grapes are kind of a very rare suit. <laughs> I, I think I, I'd go with the tailor instead. <laughs> but it's a lot of... Uh, it's a big tech tree, so... Uh, everything you said is basically the appeal of the game. You, you draft cards, you play them in a tech tree, basically. And uh, the beautiful part is that uh, there are like two of each card, so you are forced to interact with another glass blower and stuff and everything. So uh, this game is so simple and everything is meaningful. I, I, I love how it plays and how it goes. Uh, the only thing I could say against this game, possibly, is that, uh, well, I would like to play it with three or four players because uh, a lot of suits would stay out of the game if you play with less. Yeah, well, that's because larger games need more cards. Yeah. Um, there are, well, I don't know if your edition has it, but my edition has rules for swapping around the sets, as uh, if you want to. Yeah, uh, actually, I think it's basically the same editions. I, I, I also have Shifting Seasons, but to this day, I still never played it. I played the solo mod, too. Uh, mm. It's kind of uh, a nice addition. I think that... Uh, the, 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 the way you play with the seasons and the and the queen the queen's demands right yeah yeah <laughs> well um yeah. what I, I was going to get onto the solo mode so i'm glad you yeah. mentioned it um there's actually two solo modes which is really cool um you there's the first one which you mentioned with the queen and the queen is very aggressive and causes like a lot of issues and and things and it makes for a, a solo game against an antagonistic artificial intelligence a very simple one but still, it's quite interesting. The other mode is for if you just, you're like, I don't want to deal with any of that. I just want to sit and build a village. And there's a monastery mode, which the, just has a little monastery. You play six rounds and the monastery just grabs cards off based on a drafting order and off they go into the monastery. You don't care about what score the monastery might get or anything like that. It's just a way of simulating someone else drafting cards and you can concentrate on combos and trying to get scores, beating your previous score, which is... I haven't seen many games that do that, that go, here's one solo mode, and here's another solo mode, which is kind of, like, uh, quite surprising and great for depending what you want with your mood, because I, I think I like the monastery mode a little bit more. Yeah, that's a villagers' dorf romantic version. I, I, I like the, the queen because, uh, actually... I, I, I like a lot uh, trying to meet the demands. Uh, actually, you build to meet the demands with, uh, with that mod, and that's uh, quite interesting because uh, you, are always you are always trying, you are always lacking something to make that, and it's, uh, a lot, you get a lot of satisfaction when you can actually complete the season. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, at least she stops shouting off with her heads. <laughs> Which is yeah, uh, that, that's the queen, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Every queen is the queen of hearts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the, the artwork re- reminds a lot of modern card games. I, I think I had a couple uh, where. Uh, I don't remember the name. There was a, a card game in which you chose yes or no, where you built a story with the time paradoxes on cell phones, which has exactly the same artwork. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it is. It's very stylistic as well. Um, there's also Streets, uh, uh, which is part of the same series. It's like a trilogy. Yeah, um, and. And then there's just sort of out now is Moon, or it's in Kickstarter now is Moon. So, you know, logical progression of timeline, medieval yeah. village, streets, you know, modern town to the moon. Yeah. yeah. So Moon should be out next year. I don't know. I, I've played streets and it reminded me of villagers um, and it was enjoyable, but I don't know if it's different enough to make me want to own it. And I'm not sure if I'm interested in Moon either. I think with this series, rather than owning all three, you kind of pick which which one you like the look of the most and stick with that one because it's they're all quite. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I saw yesterday the 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 gameplay of Moon. It looks different enough with the rover and stuff, so it could be very interesting. Uh, I played Streets, but in the end uh, I, I did not back it, uh, not uh, because it looked uh, more of the same, but mostly because uh, it's, uh, a, I don't know, uh, villager, villages is, e, Villagers is light, is a game you can play easily, and uh, you you don't basically feel compelled to, to, to compete, to, to do stuff, you, you just build your engine. And you are happy to do that. You occasionally block other players. You occasionally interact by unlocking other professions. But uh, the game is light. Streets, I, I don't know. It doesn't has. It doesn't have that feeling. I, I have to say, I, I only had a couple of plays, so I don't know. Moon is a lot interesting, anyway. Well, it's good to know. Um, I probably won't get it still because I've just been reminded looking briefly at streets that i have another game already that uh has this kind of feel to it i wrote about it a while ago and that's santa monica santa monica yes 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 <laughs> i love santa monica so very much um it's such a chill game uh it's really pretty the way all the cards slot together and everything so that's another option um if you want this kind of tableau builder and that's got another hands-off solo mode as well where it's very like off you go, what's your score, see how well you can do, which, um, I mean, you know, if there, maybe there could be a queen in Santa Monica shouting at you to build your um, tableau in a way that satisfies her desire to go paddle around in the sea and build a sandcastle. That's what yeah. queens do at beaches, isn't it? Yeah, anyway, Santa Monica is a lot like that, yes. Um, there's not a tree there, but okay, it's kind of you evolve stuff, so... Yeah, it's more positional puzzle rather than, yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah, tech tree puzzle. But yes, it's uh, that, yeah. I think I could recommend Villagers, especially because it's such a well put together little product. It looks nice. It's nice to play. It's easy to teach, and you're done thirty minutes to an hour at most. 
five sm- players an hour. Yeah, and, and the small box uh, travel with it. Um, I, I, I can't bring myself to take the box on any travels. <laughs> it's too nice. It's too nice. I'll just move everything into like a, a um, you know, standard dueling card acrylic box for taking on travels, I think. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, just to mention it, I think that a couple of friends uh, complain that five players is as a bit of downtime the way you play. Uh but I, I, I don't um, I don't know getting used to downtime in other games that that's not really downtime. <laughs> uh, this is a very fun, easy going game. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't think the downtime's too bad with five players. Um, uh, it, the first round is very you know like drafting, boom, 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 and the phase I should say first phase. Mm-hmm. And the second phase is people getting their heads down to have a bit of a think about how they're building. Um, then so, you score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're running a bit faster than everyone else, you know, you've, you've got your builds clicking into place quite quickly and you're not struggling to make tech trees work. Uh, I could see you having a bit of time um, where you're not really doing too much. But I think I think downtime in a game that at most is like an hour long is never going to be massive. Um, so, yeah, valid point, but I'm not sure how much I... Yeah. Uh, I worry about it at all. Um, considering how good it seems to be at all player counts, in my opinion, at least mechanically. Yeah. Uh, it just seems to scale quite nicely up and down by adding in the extra suits. And um, I was very surprised and happy to discover two different ways of playing the solo game, depending on, on your feelings. So, yeah, that's that's a nice little game. I think for winding down after a session or sitting out in the sun as I did and playing it on our bench on our decking um, and just relaxing a bit. And the only thing I can say about is is that my favorite village game is Descendants, which is totally unrelated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's tiny towns, of course, you know. Yeah, but that's not my favorite village game. (laughs) You're not building a village there. You're building a tiny town. It yeah, does have so, a rat in so, it, though. so it's not related, you see. Yeah, yeah, that's completely another thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, of course, we'd review uh, tiny towns right now if you had time, but uh, unfortunately, unless we have a sudden shower of Skaven, rats all we've got. So, on that note, uh, you can catch us over at www.patreon.com forward slash the last standy, or as the last standy on Twitter or at our various different uh, exciting places here and there in our social media. Uh, it's a game you can find us if you can. Um, so until the next time, we have been The Last Standee. So it's goodbye from Audrey. Bye-bye. Goodbye from Alessio. Goodbye, everyone. And myself. And remember that the second E in Standee is for the Endless Serpent. Together! <laughs>